Welcome to the Paycom Podcast. We are medical management radio for the solo provider and small group physician practice. Paycom is where medicine meets entrepreneurship. Now, here's your host, Carter Lumen. Hello and welcome to Medical Management Radio. I'm your host, Carter Lumen. Paycom is the professional association of healthcare office management. Today, we're going to talk about patient engagement, and my guest is Leah Chatham. Leah is a Paycom corporate member with Solution Reach. We're going to chat about research conducted last year into digital approaches to patient engagement, reducing no-show rate, and how it can have a measurable impact on your business and revenue. Leah is the Director of Content Marketing at Solution Reach, and they're a leader in patient engagement solutions and innovation. She's responsible for developing educational resources to help healthcare providers stay connected to patients throughout their care journey. Leah spent over five years leading engagement at a small integrated health system and has 15 years of experience developing educational content for leading patient engagement, practice management, and EHR companies. Leah, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, I reviewed some of the statistics you provided, and it really appears that when patients don't show up or cancel at the last minute, it hurts the practice and it hurts the patient. Depending on the medical specialty, the average no-show ratio for patients can be as high as 25%. In a primary care practice, the stats show the average is 20%. This is a significant amount of missed revenue. That said, it seems to be a difficult issue to address because there are many moving pieces. Would you agree? Yes or no on that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Furthermore, the statistics seem to prove that effective patient engagement mechanics can have a significant impact on attendance and thus revenue. Unfortunately, statistics don't offer any real-world advice, and that's why we have you here with us today. Most patients don't answer their phone these days. They don't check their, their voicemail, and they often throw away reminder postcards. I'm guilty of that personally. So, Leah, how do you break through those barriers as a practice manager? I know it's a big question, so maybe it would be best to break it down a bit. How have appointment reminders and patients changed with the digital evolution? Well, I think things have changed a lot, um, especially in the last several years, maybe five to ten years. Patients are busier than ever. They have more choices than ever. Um, They're paying more out of pocket. You know, there's an awful lot of data that supports that, right? That patients Mm -hmm. are paying more out of pocket, that they're, that they have a lot more options. And so they really want more consumer convenience, even though their relationship with their provider is one that is certainly more complicated than the relationship they might have with consumer services like say your favorite hairdresser or restaurants or, you know, even airline travel. And so even though there's some differences there in terms of what they'd like to see as far as accessing convenience, we certainly see a trend towards the biggest convenience being mobile, right? People do everything on their phones. If you're at a Starbucks or you're standing in line waiting somewhere, it's pretty common to look up and see almost everyone on their phone texting or doing research or reading or whatever it may be. Our research shows that well over 70% of patients want to send and receive texts with their healthcare providers and mm-hmm. even about two thirds of baby boomers. So 
people who think that, you know, the older generations are not interested in that. And we've disproved that now, I think, in several different studies. That's interesting. And once again, I'm guilty of what you said. I, I typically don't answer my phone, especially if I don't recognize the number. But I do look at my text messages. And, and you're right. It's not just Starbucks. It's, it's everywhere. You did touch on that about phone and voicemail. And there actually is some data behind that. One survey showed that 19% of people don't check their voicemail at all. There's another study that suggested about 90% of people don't answer their phone anymore. So I experienced that in my own life. My mother, who's about 72, if I call her, she thinks it's an emergency. She is much more likely to converse with me back and forth via text. You know, if the phone rings, she's like, what's happened? Is, you know, is someone sick? We've really changed the way we communicate in, in that sense. You know, well, we do almost everything on our phones now. We make appointments and reservations and buy tickets and get updates and do all these things. And there is a, a legitimate reason why we are now seeing this campaign for screen-free meals you know, when you're watching TV. And it is because we are sort of glued to our mobile devices. I agree. But as, as we mentioned earlier, there's many moving parts to decreasing patient dropout rate. Aside from, you know, the, the mobile versus postcard, et cetera. Uh, are there any other patient preferences that should be considered in this equation? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you do really want to be thinking about patients and patient preferences in combination with sort of sets of best practices. Now, when you don't know what patients want, then using the best data you can get, using the best information, you know, that you can get about what people would prefer is a great way to go. But obviously, asking patients is even better. So if you're in a position to be able to really do that process with patients, you know, with how would you prefer to receive your communications, text, email, voice, you know, how often, uh, when, in terms of time of day or day of the week. If you can get that information from individual patients, that is certainly ideal. You know, some people will say, hey, I just need a text reminder like two days ahead. Other people will say, I really appreciate three, you know, separate reminders at different times. Um, there's also things like language, obviously, that are important. Being able to send reminders in the person's native language generally is more effective. It's really the more information you have, the more likely patients are to get those communications, read those communications, and respond to those communications. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we've seen with this huge issue of the COVID outbreak and all the things we're learning or have learned from that is that there are going to be times where you will need to communicate with people very quickly uh, and provide, you know, critical information like appointments being, suddenly mass appointments being canceled or rescheduled or shifted to telemedicine. The more you can do to make sure that you have as much of that patient preference information as possible, the more likely you are to be able to get that information out quickly. And it's not only in an emergency or a pandemic, you know, obviously there are sometimes just things like a, an urgent closure due to weather or a physician being sick or something like that. And those reminders and being able to send something out to those patients to say, whoops, sorry, we need to reschedule you or we, or your doctor's running late or any number of things, you know, it's not always a two week in advance communication. The better job we do of, of recognizing patient preferences the bigger impact or bigger difference it has on being able to get that information to patients effectively. That makes sense, especially given the current 
situation we find ourselves in. You mentioned balancing patient preferences. Can you be a little bit more specific about that? Because the data seems to indicate some general trends that I, I think our members would find helpful and useful. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we do say balance it against patient preferences, right? If you can get that information from patients, that's great. But a lot of times you can't and you are dependent on kind of best practice data and analysis. Um, And the effect of timing and cadence and delivery method uh, have all been researched. Our recent research on this showed us that what we had earlier thought was the most effective approach actually wasn't. Um, It wasn't bad. But it wasn't necessarily the most effective either. Um, We last year analyzed about 20 million patient reminder messages and confirmation responses. What we found was that the right cadence of automated reminders could actually increase the rate of patient confirmations by over 150%. So it was a big difference over not sending an automated reminder or a poor cadence of automated reminders. And the analysis found that the most effective reminder out of all of those was the one that was sent in the weeks prior, ideally three weeks prior. So if you send an automated message three weeks ahead of the appointment, that reminder actually boosted the number of patient confirmations by 126%. Impressive. Yeah, it was very impressive. And then that was followed by if you sent one three to five days ahead, you increased it another 26%. So the difference between three, four, and five days was negligible. It was very similar. Um, And, you know, that gets you up over that 150% mark to a total of 152%. And then something sent just right ahead of the appointment pushed it up again by about another 4%. And, And again, it was sort of negligible whether it was three hours, four hours, five hours, but something sent kind of in that window Mm-hmm. was also a help boost it up a little bit. So, you know, if you don't have the ability to get preferences from every patient over time, you know, or if patients say, hey, I don't care, you know, just send it to me when you send it, you definitely do want to go for sort of a balancing of that against what are those best practices. And interestingly, what we found was a little bit different from, I think many people probably have seen a pretty common recommended cadence is like two weeks, two days. And we actually found from the data that that was not necessarily the best. So, you know, and and I think as we've seen with this COVID pandemic, you know, a lot of practices have had to close and then reopen. And then you're probably serving a much larger population of patients in many cases. Same thing when you do have some kind of natural disaster and practices are forced to close, even for a short period of time, then you have to work all those patients into your schedule. So the more you can do to really make your schedule efficient and make your reminder process more efficient, the better it is, because that really can help you with that process of trying to pack a lot of patients in and maximize your schedule and get everybody in the door um, if you've had to close for some reason in particular. That makes sense. And and it makes sense regionally because I I live on the Gulf Coast of Florida, right? So we do the hurricane dance every couple of years. You know, people in the the Midwest have have tornadoes, you know, people in in the West have earthquakes, fires, et cetera. So having a communication plan, I, I guess, kind of in the filing cabinet for if something were to happen, is certainly going to increase the efficiency of getting an office back up to uh, speed and on schedule and getting that revenue cycle moving again. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important all the time, but I think we know it's particularly important when you're trying to recover from some kind of crisis. Here's a question. In the, in the data, it doesn't say much about what wasn't effective, but were you able to draw some conclusions about reminder messages that, that just really aren't worth the time or the effort? Yeah, actually. So traditionally, there has been sort of a recommendation that practices send out kind of a message at the time of scheduling. So when if somebody calls in and schedules the appointment, you send them a message what we found was that that actually was not very effective at increasing confirmations. Now, some people like to do it just because they feel if, if they have a calendar option in there, it forces people to maybe put it on their calendar. So maybe they didn't confirm, but they put it on their calendar. You know, if you feel strongly about that and you want to continue to send that message for that reason, that's fine. But the data showed it really had no impact on patients confirming their appointments unless the appointment was in that window of, of three or four weeks or shorter where you're sending that three-week message, uh, which tends to be the one that has the highest response rate. You know, if you're just sending out an at-scheduling message three months in advance just to send it, that may not be something you really need to be doing, with the exception maybe of if you do have that option to add to the calendar and you just feel like, anecdotally, maybe you feel like that's really important to you, that's fine. Uh, but the data doesn't support that it's a very effective way to ensure patients show up. So just to, to reiterate, if if you are sending a reminder at the time the appointment is scheduled, and, and that's automated, fine, leave it. But really, from what I'm hearing, best practice is three weeks prior, three days prior, and then possibly three hours prior to achieve that yeah. that 152% improvement that, that you mentioned previously. Yep. yep. And actually, if you do the three hours, it's 156. It bumps up just a mm. little bit. So, yeah. So we've kind of gone with this, you know, three, three, three cadence, even though there's just a negligible difference between three to five days or three to five hours, just because it's catchy. It's easy to remember, <laughs> you know, um, do a three week, three day, three hour and kind of get into a cadence of doing that. But we, again, we do always say, hey, you know, check with patients and, and monitor how it goes in your own practice because you never know. I mean, maybe it's really effective. Maybe the data says it's really effective, but when you test it in your own practice, you're not sure and you want to try doing one. You Instead of three days, you want to do four days or five days or you want to test, you know, four hours, five hours. Feel free to play around with it. There's nothing wrong with that. See maybe if a slight adjustment is good for you. But if you don't do that, definitely going with the 333 KD is a good place to start. Patient no-show rates vary pretty dramatically by specialty. So you'd obviously expect confirmation rates to vary slightly as well. We didn't break it down into super specific specialty areas. So I can't cover every specialty area, but I can give some generalizations in terms of some larger kind of groups of specialties. The confirmation rate for dental and vision practices tends to be much higher than medical specialties. And that sort of suggests that medical specialties overall need to do a better job in terms of adopting best practices, looking at patient preferences, and just generally trying to increase their confirmations and reduce their no-shows. Whoa, I sense a challenge here. <laughs> what exactly are dental and vision offices doing that 
are making such a significant difference? And how can we assist our medical members to achieve that level of confirmation and, and attendance? And I guess two-part question, can Solution Reach help a medical practice lift that uh, attendance rate? Yeah, so, you know, we've been posing this challenge to medical specialties for a while, and not just us. I mean, I think the industry as a whole uh, has been doing that. The reason that dental and vision practices are so much better is because of how heavily dependent they are on recall. So, you know, you get a recall message from your dentist to come back in every six months, three months, six months, 12 months, same with vision, you know, every 12 months. And they're very heavily dependent on those annual or biannual visits. So they've, they have done a much better job over the long term of making sure that they've got some kind of program in place, even, even if they were using phone calls, which, you know, we don't recommend, but they have been much better historically even using something like that. Whereas many medical practices and specialties have been more focused on being reactive and dealing with patients as patients schedule, mm-hmm. not as much on kind of preventive care and being more aggressive about getting patients in for that. And that is something that's really shifting and has been for quite some time as we move towards quite a bit more value-based care. And I think we'll continue to see that moving forward, putting more onus on medical practices to have to do better follow-up and better preventive care management. So, you know, the challenge really is for medical practices to start thinking in a more proactive way um, versus a reactive way, similar to the way that dental and vision have been doing for for much, much longer. Fair enough. I'd, I'd really like to see our medical people out there achieve the, the same degree of success that, that is being seen in, in dental and vision. Uh, let's move back to the yeah. question of multiple moving parts or variables pertaining to patient engagement. Are, th- are there other factors that should be considered also? Yeah, and I think in particular in, in the medical specialties. So, you know, patient demographics and social determinants of health, those other kinds of factors can really have a big impact on confirmation rates and no-shows. And in particular, as an example, I talk to medical practices often who have a high rate of Medicaid patients. And the no-show rate for Medicaid patients has been researched quite a bit. It is much higher than the average for most practices. And so one thing we have found is if you can get an automated reminder system in place and implement those best practice cadences, use patient preferences where possible, one of the things that allows you to do actually is free up some staff time to do more intensive follow-up with those higher risk patients, the ones who are maybe more likely to no-show, because we do know that there are going to be demographic groups within your patient base who are more likely to no-show. And we are um, actually currently working on some AI technology that we hope is going to allow practices to have some support in identifying who those patients might be. And the reason for that is because you'll never get away from having to do, you know, some follow-up with patients who are just more likely to, to not show. You know, the other thing is that you can have an issue around pre-appointment instructions. So what we see is a challenge where patients have some kind of pre-appointment instruction, like fasting, and 
they forget. And so either they don't show up, they cancel at the last minute, or they show up unprepared. And then that appointment is lost because they're not ready. And again, with the right kinds of tools, using automated reminders that allow you to populate in pre-appointment instructions, you can reduce that issue as well. And that's also a good tool in situations like some kind of pandemic or other crisis where maybe you need some additional information. Mm -hmm. So with the COVID pandemic, one of the things that has become or became really common was having some kind of pre-visit instruction about if you're coughing, have a fever, shortness of breath, please call us before you come in for additional instructions or something like that. So those pre-visit instructions can also be used for that. Or let's say there was some kind of natural disaster and you are changing the way people get to your office or where they park or how they check in or things like that. You can use that information, that pre-appointment instruction piece of the automated reminder. Mm -hmm. So those are all things that can have an effect because they may end up resulting in a canceled appointment if they don't go well, whether that's demographics or you know, important information related to ensuring that the appointment actually can take place. Agreed. To me, it seems like if you consider everything we talked about, the moving parts that, that we discussed, and that, that probably doesn't even cover the whole spectrum, right? We're, we're, <laughs> we're hitting, you know, the top five highlights here. But in my mind, when I think about our members, it seems like really trying to consider all of this and implementing these plans can be quite time and, and labor intensive. You had mentioned, you know, the patient engagement industry. Can you speak maybe kind of specifically and or generically about what a patient engagement tool does specifically to ease this burden on our, our practice managers? Well, you know, when you talk about it, it does sort of sound like, oh my gosh, you know, how would we ever kind of get, get through setting all this up? And you know, the reality is that the best approach is to partner with a company that is an established kind of patient relationship engagement communication software company, right, mm -hmm. that already has a lot of this in place. So there's already a basic structure around the types of reminder communications, making sure they're compliant, setting them up on some kind of best practice cadence, you know, having a program in place to quickly onboard practices based on their goals and their needs and, and their practice or patients and being able to get that setup piece completed pretty quickly so that once that is done, really that's it. You know, you're you've kind of set up a system and put in place technology that is kind of ready to go based on your practice needs and that best practice cadence and you know, using data to kind of back all that up and get it all ready for you. And then you're kind of turning on the switch in a lot of cases. And th that doesn't mean you may not need to go back in and make a change to a message. You know, that example we had about changing pre-visit instructions or something like that. But those are fairly small things. And, you know, the, what the data has shown us is that the majority of practices who do use some kind of automated solution and have that in place, for their patient communications, especially for reminders and recall, find that they spend less than 30 minutes a day on reminders, less than 30 minutes a day on recall, and the majority have a no-show rate of less than 5%. So 
so it is a time saver and you know in the long run once it's set up it's a time saver and it is certainly a system that can have a pretty significant impact on revenue just in the reducing of no-shows but the data also shows it can have a fairly significant impact on revenue on the recall side as well so once those automated recall messages are set up our data shows that the majority of of providers increase their revenue by nearly $100,000 a year. That makes sense. And it seems that a, a system like this would be beneficial in, in multiple aspects of the, of the patient journey. And as you said, in the revenue cycle. Leah, I'd like to thank you for your information and the time today. As a uh, Paycom corporate member, would you like a minute to speak specifically about Solution Reach and what you could do for our membership base? Yeah, thank you. Um, so, you know, as I've kind of talked about patient relationship management and patient communication, that's really what we do. Solution Reach is pretty much 100% focused on providing the technology and the expertise on how to use it to deliver better care and build a more profitable practice. And our goal is really to show practices how to improve the patient experience and connect with their patients in the way that they want to connect so that the result they see is that more patients are scheduling more appointments and showing up for them, and more patients are leaving positive reviews for their providers um, and helping them increase and improve their online reputation, which hopefully then means they're booking more appointments with new patients, and that mm -hmm. all the patients are getting those regular communications to stay connected to the practice and keep coming back, whether that is in the everyday operations of your practice or in dealing uh -huh. with crises like COVID or natural disasters or other emergencies, it's really to provide you with the tools and the best practice sort of data-based, you know, information to help you do that as well as possible. I gotcha. And if someone is interested in, in contacting you, how would, how would they go about that? They can go to www.solutionreach.com and sign up for a demo or read more information or feel free also to connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter and our accounts are all slash Solution Reach, so easy to find. Gotcha. You can also find Solution Reach on the corporate member page at paycom.com. Yeah. Leia, thank you for your time today, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in to this edition of Medical Management Radio. Uh, we're going to break our normal schedule, and next week we're going to post a podcast featuring Dr. Frank Rasler, where we're going to talk about specific health issues that are affecting non-clinical personnel during the COVID-19 crisis. On our next scheduled podcast, we'll talk about creating order from chaos. It was scheduled back in January, so tune in to hear who had that magic crystal ball and hear the rest of the conversation. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us. Tune in for new shows on the third Wednesday of each month. PACOM is the Professional Association of Healthcare Office Management, home of the nationally accredited Certified Medical Manager. Professional credentials matter. Learn more at PACOM.com. That's P-A-H-C-O-M.com.